Welcome to the Queensland Energy Club podcast series, Energy Talks. Just one note before we start today, the views and opinions in this podcast belong to the people expressing them and not to the companies or organisations they're a part of. I'm Sally Levis, the Managing Director and Founder of the Queensland Energy Club. I'm delighted to be sharing the booth today with James Allen, Senior Director with Quinbrook Infrastructure Partners and podcast host Dan Brown, co-chair energy industry and partner with global law firm Ashurst. Welcome gentlemen. For today's podcast, James will share a little about his time in the global energy industry, in particular with Quinbrook Infrastructure Partners, where he's responsible for the firm's digital strategies. James is an astrophysicist, economist and recognised global energy expert I'm really excited to hear James discuss his insights into 24-7 green power and the decarbonisation of power markets. On that note, I'll hand over to you, Dan, to introduce James and further the conversation. Thank you, Sally. Yeah, thank you, Sally. Maybe we start with a glimpse into the future. And what I'd really love to understand, James, is, you know, in a perfect world for you, what does our NEM look like in a whole bunch of years' time? Yeah, it, it's something that I, I do think about a bit. I, I think fundamentally it becomes, hopefully, a lot more boring. Yeah. Um, and the, the sort of fixed point I use to think about it is the digitization of the telecom industry. So telecom used to be a much more variable cost industry, going back to, you know, the image of people switching things and rounding stations manually. Um, and it was a, a different kind of business 50 years ago. And it's essentially fully digitised now. So the whole backbone is a capacity game. The thing they're planning against is capacity, um, you know, compression and, and overloads. And there's really no variable cost left anywhere until you get to the customer-facing customer side and, and it's sort of, you know, talking to people. Um, I think wholesale power markets are heading that way. All of the renewable generation we're looking at is essentially a fixed cost. Um, you know, wind, solar, there's no variable cost there. It's basically the same story with batteries um, on any long-term horizon, and it's obviously always been the case with the network assets. So I think the end game here is, you know, and probably faster than everyone expects, we end up with a fully decarbonised grid, and the whole thing is fixed costs end-to-end at the wholesale level, and it really just becomes one giant optimization game in the same way that current telco markets are. And a lot of the sort of political drama around our power markets, which I think to a large degree comes from them being linked to volatile commodity markets, falls away. Um, and, you know, these things just work. And it's able to be a lot more decentralised and it'll have less in single, singular points of failure and probably even more hopefully less political focus and drama. And everyone will just get on with it. But the road to get from here to there will not be a simple one. Um, and Australia's been pushing towards it like many other markets around the world all of them sort of seem to be stuck in the same quagmire of they've done well to get the variable renewables in through policy and other other support. Um, it's starting to get to the point in most grids now in Australia is right at the front of this where the variable renewables are really starting to have system-wide impacts. Regulators, policymakers, etc., are sort of scrambling to stay ahead of the number of connections that they're now seeing, the variability in prices, the exit of their old legacy power stations, the amount of capex they've got to tip into grids and coming up with a whole bunch of sort of ad hoc solutions 
and it's it's just not working. It, this is not an Australian problem. It's it's the same in all the markets that we invest in, and really just variations on a the theme. Um, and I think what we're seeing is businesses and major pa- users of power just trying to sidestep that, yeah. and they'll get there eventually. But yeah, it won't it won't be a smooth road, I think. And so, what are the what are some of the key things in your opinion that need to change in order to get us to that boring market? Um, I mean, a lot of it is just letting the economics that now exist for renewables and increasingly storage to just play out. Um, so I think, you know, probably first and foremost, it's kind of getting out of the way to some degree. Um, you know, not to critique it, but the ESB kind of NEM 2025 review is, is a good example. You know, great intentions, broad ambition, virtually no outcomes. And if anything, it kind of just stalled people getting on with it. Um, so that's an example of a sort of a, a first principle policy reform process. And, and we're seeing the same thing in the UK at the moment. You know, their equivalent is targeting reforms to come on foot in 2035, which is too late. <laughs> um, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, these sort of heavy-handed interventions like maybe a Snowy 2.0, again, a lot of talk, no megawatts in the ground. Um, and I think that's probably foreclosed on investment in a lot of storage that would have been sorely needed and used over the last few years in Australia. And again, a similar story in the UK and some of the US markets we work in. And so, here in Queensland too, I guess, a similar concept, isn't it, with the state governments announcing deep storage? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very difficult because I think, I mean, governments want to react to cost of living pressures, um, which you can't really fault them for. Um, you know, everyone's... Everyone wants the power market to work efficiently and to kind of have a measured decarbonisation pathway and transition. But when the rubber hits the road of trying to kind of go and take actions and, and specifically control it, the, the mechanisms by which policy reform occurs and regulatory reform are just moving too slow relative to what's happening on the ground. Um, you know, AMO seeing their connection uh, rate go up by a factor of 10 and then a factor of 10 again. And they're, they're just not resourced to deal with that. But now it's slowing everything down. Almost every participant is experiencing major connection delays. Um, and that, there are a bunch of other examples like that. So these are not, not in any way sort of saying that these are, there's a blame here. It's just it's a, it's a very large problem and it, it's a bit messy um, when you get into it because I think there's a lot of capital that wants to build these assets. Um, there's a lot of willpower to kind of see things decarbonise and to, to get to a point where you do have a decarbonised grid and you're back on a more steady state. But it's just hard to do. Um, simple as that really well, I've been involved in sort of scanning the market of optimizers and ultimately we acquired Habitat Energy in late 2021 um, so that's been that's been really fun um, the other thing that was a, has been a big focus is you know when I joined I think Quinbrook had already really made the call that just doing vanilla supply side projects a wind farm a solar farm was really not going to be a way to sort of generate a value-added return for our investor. And we were already heavily pushing into the demand side of the market. Um, so I was quite involved initially in setting up our um, green data centre play. So in the US, it's called Rowan Digital. Um, and I guess that was an example of where we were trying to get to the other side of the market. Um, we could see there was a crowded space in terms of just building you know, big projects under PPA and you're really in a commoditised marketplace there. But if you could be on the other side with major green industrials who were wanting to buy the power and ideally you were doing the power project as well to supply 
you know, you're now on both sides of the market, you're solving bigger problems, you're adding more value. And the other big element is you are actually more insulated from regulatory risks because you're not facing them on a one-sided basis anymore. Um, so I guess that was sort of the genesis of it, um, particularly when we started looking at green data and what, what would be needed to be successful. That that was when we started really getting our head around this whole concept of 24-7. Having a tool that can achieve that sort of auditability piece is critical and when we looked at, around at what was out there, there's certainly some good tools there, but none of them really seemed to be what we needed, uh, nor did they seem to reflect what we sort of knew they would ultimately need as power specialists. And so we set out to build our own one, um, which is called Quintrace. Um, so we've been, we've been sort of operating an MVP version of that for about a year, but we're, we're launching a commercial-grade platform for our portfolio companies um, at the end of, no, end of October. So we've certainly, in Quintrace, our platform, we have set that up with an eye to be able to trace green hydrogen. And in fact, one of our first use cases is, it's not green hydrogen, it's actually green methane. So we, we have a company called Purpose Energy in the US. They attend, essentially take kind of commercial food waste um, and they'll put that in a bioreactor, get the methane and then either inject the methane into pipelines or use it to generate electricity on site um, along with heat. Um, so not, not quite the same, but we are using it to trace that green methane. And so it's the same kind of issue from a, a platform perspective in that you've got to first verify the electricity piece. Um, in this case, it's pretty straightforward because there isn't any. You're just getting the food waste, um, but we have to trace that through. But then you've got to figure out how are you going to trace the molecules. And if it's, if it's kind of just point-to-point distribution, it's relatively straightforward. Like you get the electricity piece checked and then you, you kind of confirm that you know, the containers or the ships or whatever it is of hydrogen got to where they were meant to. Not hard. Um, where it gets tricky is if it gets blended into general transmission or distribution assets. And yet that, that's a complex one. That's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of the same problem you have with electricity. You know, once the, once the electrons are in the grid, they're electrons. Um, what you're really doing is having a framework that makes sure that you account for all of the, the ins and outs and you do it once and only once. And that's what the energy tag standard is. That's what we've got in Quintrace for electricity. You've been listening to Energy Talks by the Queensland Energy Club. If you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, you'll be thrilled to know that the full-length interview is available to podcast subscribers. To become a subscriber is simple. Just go to the Queensland Energy Club website and sign up to become a podcast subscriber. Thank you for listening to Energy Talks by the Queensland Energy Club.